Thank you, Brother Norman. I appreciate that. Appreciate the invitation to come to you and uh, tell you a little bit about home mission. Home mission is basically just the mission at home. We've been supporting foreign missions for years, and that's wonderful. The gospel's gone out all over the world. It's estimated that about a million people a year are baptized into Christ just in India alone. And yet the churches of Christ in America are closing their doors by the rate of 70 plus every year. We can't be having that. Congregations are disappearing. There's a reason. There's a reason for it. And I'll talk to you about that today. And the reason is, is because Jesus almost 2,000 years ago gave us a call to teach. And that call is still ringing forth today. We sing, the call comes ringing or the restless wave, send the light. And that song was written to raise money for missionaries. But folks, we need to change that today in our own backyards. There's a call comes ringing or the restless wave, be the light. Take the light. Teach the light. Jesus tells us to be light unto the world. And so we can't hide our lights any longer. People are not going to just walk into the door. And so that call to teach goes forth. And that call to teach is in the form of what we call... The Great Commission. Jesus said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even till the end of the age. King James says, I am with you always, even till the end of the world. But the age he was talking about here was the end of, the complete end of the old covenant. That would come in A.D. 70 when Jerusalem would be destroyed. But the church began on 33 A.D. approximately, according to our time of of looking at things. And they existed side by side, and God gave them 40 years to repent and to be baptized and to be a part of that when Jesus would bring all things together into Him. And today, that's what we live in. We live in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And we're not waiting for the kingdom to come, are we? That kingdom has already come and it's been around for nearly 2,000 years. And on June the 5th, 2033, we will celebrate our 2,000th year of the Lord's Church, the Church of Christ, The Church of Christ who has followed that original pattern for 2,000 years, and we have evidence of it. We have evidence of our people in Azerbaijan, 
in England, in Spain, and in Africa, and in other places. We're putting together a book, a small book that people can look at and see the history of the Church of Christ. And we are looking in every way. Home Mission is a group of evangelists. We're kind of an association of evangelists. And we go out to congregations. We've been to almost 300 congregations in 42 states in the last six years. And we have a lot more to go to. And our goal is to work with them and teach them and actually three things according to Acts chapter 11 that Barnabas did when he was sent by Jerusalem. Our job that God gave us as evangelists is to encourage, equip, and evangelize. Now, we won't be part of any decision-making process that you have. And it is up to you to carry out the mission here in Cedar Hill. But we'll help. And we've got a lot of things that we can do to help with. But first I want you to look at that Jesus said, All authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 19, I want to show you how that works. The word name means authority. The word name, when we are baptized into the name of Jesus Christ, we are baptized into the possession of Jesus Christ, and He becomes our owner. According to Romans chapter 6, verse 3 through 7, we die with Him, we are buried with Him, and we are raised with Him, and therefore we become one with Him, and He becomes our Lord, not until then, not not and hopefully long after then. But folks, people are calling it the gospel today, and they're not preaching that, are they? While they're preaching, you can be baptized as a baby. And they're preaching that all you have to do is to receive Jesus into your heart. And if you decide you want to be baptized with dozens of others, then we'll just, it's just an outward sign of an inward faith. We used to use an old word called baloney. I liked baloney when I was a kid. Don't much like it anymore. But people that preach that, what they call a gospel, is they're full of baloney. Because they have forsaken the authority of Jesus Christ. A good example is in Ephesians 5, verse 19. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts unto the Lord. Now the word psalms means... Words accompanied by instruments. When you read the book of songs, they were to be accompanied by instruments. They were to be sung and accompanied by instruments by 24 men. Revelation, they're called the 24 elders. They would be the oldest sons or they would take turns next in line. And they would, in Second Chronicles 29, as long as the sacrifices were going, they would keep singing and they were playing their instruments. And they had specific instruments that they played. 
And they weren't like the pagans with all kinds of instruments. They had specific instruments and it was ordained by God. But going on in that passage, we see that the instrument that is named there is our what? Our heart. Our heart. And our voice. Have you ever seen a picture of the voice, the larynx? It looks like a harp. Did you know that? It looks just like a harp. And we have what God gave us. And even in the synagogues and the Orthodox Jews today, for 2,600 plus years, still do not use instruments in their synagogues. And the style of worship that we have is synagogue style worship, as we see in James chapter 2. The word is used there. And we don't go by the old law as far as the, the, the sacrifices and the other things that we go by. But the pattern of the old law was accomplished in the new. And we are under a different covenant. And going on in that passage of scripture, he says, And let us be thankful in the name of Jesus Christ. He says the same thing in Colossians 3. He says, uh, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace or with thankfulness in your heart. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of Jesus Christ. The word name means authority. In a covenant or a will, when someone dies, someone is made power of attorney. And when Jesus died upon the cross... God gave Jesus the power of attorney to be able to tell his followers what he wants. And for 2,000 years, we have done just fine without a man-made instruments in our assembly. We don't need it. We don't want it. And who gave anybody the authority to add to it? If someone asks you, when I was in high school, my trigonometry teacher, and I was the only member of the church, and my trigonometry teacher boldly said, why do you people in the Church of Christ not have instruments? And I didn't know how to answer him. But I do today. If he were still alive, I'd like to tell him. I'd like to show him, I'd I'd like to let God tell him. I'd like to let Jesus tell him. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. You know, there was there were no instruments, basically, for a thousand years, even in what is now called the Roman Catholic Church. And the Eastern Orthodox still do not use it. And, and many of those others, the Coptic churches do not use it. Some of the Presbyterians do not use it. So the point is, uh, that that we were never given the authority to use instrumental music. Now, I'm just using that as an example. Jesus has the power of attorney. His name means power of attorney, authority, and he's the one giving the orders and the instructions. And you know something? Today, people are just enamored with a cappella singing. 
They can't believe you can sing as good as you can without a piano up here. Did you know that? But you can. You know why? Because you love the Lord your God with all your heart. You're going to obey His authority. Now, so is His authority important? Is there anything that you wouldn't do? Why don't you just get a pencil and paper right down? The fact of the matter is, we're going to hand out a board. And if you wouldn't mind uh, putting your name, if you'd like to, to get our monthly newsletter. And uh, uh, George is going to pass that around. And uh, put your name and email and so on. And we'll give you our monthly newsletter. And you can keep up with all the good things that are going on around the country with Home Mission. But I want to ask you again, is there anything that you wouldn't do for Jesus? If there is, get a pencil and paper and write them down. How big's your list? Well, you know, there's some people who say, well, I wouldn't, I'm never going to do this. And I've heard a lot of people, including preachers, tell me, I'm not, I'm not going to go out here and try to set up Bible studies. That's just not my bag. Well, I don't know what kind of bag you're carrying in. (laughs) But the next thing that Jesus says, I want you to go and make disciples. And I have the authority to tell you to go and make disciples. Every single one of you here today and all around the country and all around the world, Jesus and only Jesus has the authority to tell us to go and make disciples. So if he told us, if he has all authority, does he? Yes, he does. And if he has all the authority and he tells us to go and make disciples, then do we need to go and make disciples? Yes, we do. You say, well, I don't know how to go and make disciples. Well, fear not, folks. Home mission is here. Take your paper out, this home mission paper, and I want to show you what we have planned for you over the next three to five years if you decide you want to do it. If the elders decide they want this and you decide you want to go along with this, we will help you over the next three to five years. We will help every single one of you to be able to go and make disciples and we'll help raise your children and bring in more children to go and make disciples because Jesus is our Savior, but Jesus is also our authority, isn't He? And He said, this is what I want you to do. Now, is it easy to make disciples? Not always. In fact, it's kind of hard sometimes. Is it easy to make a cake? How many of y'all can make a cake? Anybody? Okay, I see some guys raise your hand. That's okay. The first cake I tried to make was a pumpkin cake. We were in preaching school at Preston Road years ago. And my wife had to go to a class, so I was going to surprise her when she came home. And we got canned goods from the pantry, and so the only thing I saw up there was pumpkin. So I took the pumpkin out, and I got some sugar, and I put it in there, and I got some flour and I put that in there and I put uh, and I put uh, I don't know what else I put in there but I mixed it all together and put it in the oven and it came out and she took a, and I let her have the first bite and she took a bite and she says what did you put in here 
I told her, she said, did you forget to put baking powder? <clears throat> so we played basketball with a cake after that. <laughs> but I've since then learned to make cakes and cookies and things of this sort. Of course, we can't eat those things right anymore, but, uh, but she's a much better cake and cookie maker than I can. And before I die, before I leave this earth, I hope that I live long enough where she can make me one more German chocolate cake with a pat, with a stick of butter in it. <laughs> I just love that German chocolate cake, but I can't eat it because I'm diabetic. How long did it take for Jesus to train his disciples to go into all the world and make disciples? Three years, didn't it? That's why this is a three-year thing. We're going to teach you gradually over a period of three years to not only just to do that, but also, we're not only to go and make disciples, uh, we're to do it in the name by the authority of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we are to teach them to observe all things whatsoever Jesus has commanded us. Now, by the authority of the name of the Father and Son, the Holy Spirit, we have a big job to do, don't we? And you see, the Father gave the church to the Son. Someday the Son will give it back to the Father when He comes back and destroys the earth. But the Son has control of the church. He has the power of attorney. And He sent His Spirit to indwell us as we study God's Word and grow in God's Word. The Spirit of God helps us. And what does He do? If we keep in step with the Spirit... We become creatures of love and joy and peace and patience and all the other thing, fruits of the Spirit that come from the Spirit indwelling us through the study of God's Word. Not just that, but He offers up deep groanings on our behalf because we don't know what we ought to pray for, do we? And so we have all that. And when you study with people, you may think you have to have just the right words to say. You may think you have to, to be slick and have a slick presentation and everything. No, you just have to have an open heart like Lydia did. And so do the people that you're studying with. And you have to know the scripture. And you have to share with them the God's word. And guess what? The Spirit of God is sharing that word through you because you're using not stories, but you're using the gospel to teach them with. And when you leave them, who works on them 24-7? God does. And He is the one who gives the increase. Now you can sow. And you can water. And you can de-weed. And you can sow and water some more. But when God gives that increase, then and only then can you go and harvest and be a small part of baptizing people into Christ. Now we judge a growth of a church by its baptism. But that's not the way that we should judge the church because how many of those people are baptized do we keep? This is a great failing in the churches of Christ in America today. Do you know what the percentage is 
of the people that we keep, that we baptize today, you know what it is? About 10%. What do you think about that? 10% of the people we baptize in the United States today stick with it. We got some work to do, don't we? We need to roll up our hands and go at it. Teaching them. So one of the first things we do is teach you how to keep what you get. It's because if you can keep what you get, you're going to have a lot more people over a period of time than if you just go out here and, and, and dunk people in the water. And so we are commanded to teach them to observe all things whatsoever he has commanded you. And if we will make disciples by baptizing them and by teaching them, then what did Jesus say he'll do for us? He'll be with us. And instead of the end of the age, it, to us, it's the end of the world. Now, do you want, does this church want Jesus to be with them? Do you want Jesus to be with you? He says, I'll be with you if you'll go and make disciples and teach them. And that, that's pretty simple, isn't it? Now, here's how we're going to help. It's called the Great Commission DNA Project. You know what your DNA is, don't you? Am I on here? Can y'all hear me okay? I like to walk around. I won't get too close to you. If I get real excited, I start spitting. So I won't, you know, I won't do that. What is it? It's a three-year intensive messaging and training to all members of each congregation. Churches only change 10% a year. Brother Flavel Yakely taught me that. He used to be a church growth expert for the Churches of Christ. You remember Brother Flavel? And uh, he passed away a few years ago. And he said a church only changes 10% a year, whether for good or for bad. This is designed to help change us back to the original pattern of the disciples in the first century. Now, we've got a lot of things that we do right. You do a lot of good things in this congregation. You help people. You come here and you worship God. You, you give your heart to Him. You give your money to Him. You give your time to Him. You study your Bibles every day, don't you? Don't you? Now, I'm going to say this. You're going to study your Bibles every day, right? Yes. You're going to have to if you're going to save souls. Now then, what does the church receive for participating? Well, you receive six workshops. When we come back, if you want us to come back, the first workshop is what's called the launch session. That's where you tell us about you. And then when we leave on Wednesday night, we'll put it on these big post-it notes. We'll put 12 of them. We'll give you four stickers and you get to vote on the top four things you want to do. We also tell you about the foundations, which is very key to this and in keeping new Christians. And we'll also tell you about the Habanera 
visitation ministry. Now, at Home Mission, we don't believe in programs. <laughs> because a program is somebody's idea, and it'll start, and then it'll flop. We believe in ministry. And a project is just to get us to where we're doing the ministry that God has called us to do. And that's what this is. This project is a, is a design to get you into the ministry. Habanera Visitation Ministry, those that do it, will double their attendance in less than two years. Do you believe me? Try it and see. Try it and see. Then, then we come back at least six months later or earlier. It depends on y'all. And we do the circle of influence. The circle, the average person has a meaningful relationship in some way with 80,000 people in their lifetime. 80,000 people. Do you know that, brother? That's a lot of people, isn't it? 80,000 people. And if you're a soul winner, it goes up drastically. And we teach you how to work your circle of influence to bring people to Christ, to draw people to your inner circle, which is the church. And inside that inner circle is your core. Moses was asked about his core when God asked him, what's that in your hand? Remember that? That's talked about in the circle of influence. The next one is higher ground giving worship workshop. Do, are we giving what God wants us to give? Because giving and faith go hand in hand. You say, well, I don't like to hear sermons on giving. I don't like to preach sermons on giving. But the kind of sermons that I preach on giving, or one of our evangelists preach, you're going to have fun with it. And it's going to be great because it's going to bless your life. Not the sermon, but the scriptures that we use. And the excitement that you'll have when we finish that workshop. The next workshop is the rest of the story, evangelism workshop. We'll give you an evangelistic method that we call one with training wheels. You can use it, read it. It's been tested for over 30 years. Hundreds of people have come to Christ. Maybe more, I don't even know how many. Maybe thousands. But the... the what this means to you is this, this is something that's easy for you to use and it'll work because it's scripture. The scriptures are all written out. The text is all written out. It's even got a couple of illustrations in it. And they get to read the scripture and you read the, the text and they answer the questions. It has the introduction that you need to find out what they were before and then it has the conclusion, two of them. And then if they don't obey the gospel, you don't have to panic because you go right into the foundations for disciples. Usually when you're studying with people today, people know less and less about the Bible. And so after three lessons, sometimes it takes more. So you go right into the foundations and you don't lose them. Usually by the fourth lesson of foundations, they will obey the gospel. And you would be surprised how open people... i tell you what, right now with this pandemic, people are scared to death. People are sick and tired of being sick and tired. 
And you know something? We may have the best, some of the best opportunities in the next few years to bring people to Christ that we've had in a long time. And then one heart, one mind singing workshop. You have pretty good singing here. I heard some bass and a tenor and sopranos and altos and some altos. And, and I mean, you came together and sang out. How would you like to double your singing? How would you like to learn to sing, The Lord Bless You and Keep You? Y'all ever sing that song? Do you? You do? Good for you. Well, we'll, we'll teach you to, to, to double your volume and to use your heart strings. And then there is the uh, Bible study digging tools. This is how to study the Bible, an easy way to study the Bible and get a lot more out of your Bible study than you're probably getting right now. And it's also a great time to invite people to come from the outside because they can learn. You can invite them to come to any of these you want to, probably from D, E, and F. Is that two E's on there? Mercy, i got to put an F instead of an E. Oh, well. <laughs> You'll have so much fun with it, you just go, E! You know, <laughs> then you'll also get weekly articles to hand out every Sunday of the year for three years. The first articles are 50 ways to love the Father. It's important that we build our, our, our oneness, our relationship with God, isn't it, first? And you'll also use these for new Christians. They'll get one of these each week as well from now on. Then the next year is 50 ways to save your neighbor, 50 ideas and things that you can do, some questions. It's just a real short front and pack, one page thing that you get each week. And then 50 ways to make a visit. You say, I don't need to know 50 ways to make a visit, but you know something? Visits come in all different shapes and forms and colors and sizes. So we want to teach you how to evangelize. Then you get 11 quarterly curriculum books to be taught each quarter. Now, the first one, it'll be two quarters, and that'll be the Foundations for Disciples. <clears throat> and after every three or four lessons, you'll just want to, if you teach on Sunday morning or Wednesday night, you'll want to just practice on each other. And then, other quarterlies are who's in charge, the authority of Jesus. Bringing in and keeping young families. Y'all want to bring in young families here? Well, this quarterly will help you do it. Leadership in the 21st century. You have four good elders. Is it four elders? How many deacons do you have? Four, four deacons? Well, you need eight elders and you need, eight, and you need uh, 16 deacons. So you got to train them, don't you? Got a lot of work to do. And successful Bible classes. Bible classes is not a command of God, but it's a way to teach people. It's a method that we use, and we want to be successful at it. Improving your worship. How to have the best worship service that you can have that pleases God first and also makes a difference to the visitors that come in. How to keep and mature new Christians. That's very important for the whole church to learn how to do. All in. 
increasing church participation, how to remove the 80-20 syndrome problem that we have, where 80% of the work is done by 20% of the members. We, we, we got to get rid of that. We got to turn that around. Where, where 20% of the work is done by 80% of the members, well, no. We need 100% of the members doing 100% of the work, don't we? Evangelism training, and the final one is effective outreach and planning, and then followed by evangelism strategies. You'll have, there'll be additional books and tools for training if you need them. Also, assistance for working and planning, and you can call us anytime. We also have larger churches that will come and help you. You know, y'all been talking about building a building over here. Maybe we can get two or three of the larger churches to come and provide labor. You can find a contractor, just, just a thought. Or maybe you, y'all ever do a fall festival or a spring festival? Y'all ever do have one of those here? Have you ever done a, you do VBS? Sir? You can't run it, but you have it. They won't let us have it. Oh, that's right, because of the funeral. Well, just tell them to hold off dying for a while so you can have your VBS. <laughs> you will. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but there's other things you can do. Uh, what does it cost to participate? Or excuse me, which churches can qualify? Any church of Christ in the United States that follows the biblical pattern of the first century church. It can be a church of two members or 2,000. What does it cost to participate? Nothing. Donations are always accepted, but we don't charge the church anything for the materials, for our time, our expenses, and that's a rule that we follow. Um, What is the commitment if a church participates? Three years of sticking with the plan and leadership to follow through. We cannot afford to waste our time and resources. This is expensive. What will be the result of participating? If you'll stay with it, you'll have obedience to God in what He tells you to do and to go into all the world, church growth, and unity. These are the things that we promote, and these are the things that we want to see done in this congregation and in every congregation of the Lord's people. We also left you one that you can look over and be thinking about. That's backwards on the back. Anyway, growing the church during a crisis. And maybe you can pick up some ideas from that. But I want to leave you with this thought. Jesus called every one of us to teach, didn't he? And that call to teach is one of the most important things that Jesus said while on this earth. Because we can't be babies drinking the milk of the word forever. Hebrews 5 says, for such a time you all ought to be teachers, right? The call to teach, it has no sound. Yet it whispers the honorable sacrifices of those that have gone before us. The call to teach has no form. 
and yet I have clearly seen it. And the eyes of men and women of faith who are more dedicated and more driven than most. The call to teach has no weight. And yet I've held it in my hands. And I will put it in my heart until every last man, woman, and child has heard the gospel of Christ. The call to teach is at once invisible and yet is too great to ignore. And for all those who accept that call for themselves, for their family, and for their God, it is the most powerful force on earth. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. Almost 2,000 years have come and gone since that call was given forth. This morning, how will you answer that call? If you need to come forward, won't you come now as together we stand and sing.